1: hello everybody and welcome to the here we are podcast i'm shane moss here with my return guest sarah hill who is out with her new book this is your brain on birth control welcome back sarah
0: thanks shane i'm glad to be back
1: what are you doing in? It, what, are you just visiting LA right now? Because you are the last time we talked. What, you you did my show in Dallas, right?
0: Yeah, no, that and that's normally last... that's normally where I am. I'm doing preemptive traveling for the holidays so I can quarantine before I see people.
1: Ah, that's very smart. Uh, yeah, everyone during uh, is like doing uh, bubbling up and getting ready and testing and that sort of thing for for Thanksgiving, that's, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Well,
0: (laughs) you know, it's like, it's one of those things where um, you have to sort of figure out what's the best risk minimizing behaviors that you can do given like your need for mental health and social connection. For sure. And and so this is like where I landed.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um... Come come
0: early, stay away, and then (laughs) gather.
1: Although, Um, family gatherings for our mental health. Hmm. yeah
0: (laughs) right yeah I was just like I'm I'm just like it's like the handicap principle right it's like I tried to like show like my mental health is so robust robust. look at the hurdles
1: that I can intentionally (laughs) put myself right it's like
0: not only can I live through a pandemic but I can hang out with my family uh yeah yeah No, it is um so I'm really fit as you can
1: tell clearly
0: my mental my mental health is super been.
1: When did you, your book just came out last year, right?
0: It did. It was last October.
1: Awesome. Uh, I see it's been making a lot of like wonderful lists and stuff and I keep on seeing it pop up. Well, I follow you. So that helps. Yeah. But, I, but yeah. I have also seen other people reference your book as well. I have a uh, before we get all into birth control. I had this thought the other day. I feel like of my guests, you'd be a good person to run it by. This isn't an uncommon thought for me to have, but uh, I mean, you have two kids. I have zero kids. It's probably going to stay that way i you're you're set with two. I think i'm I'm done at zero. Uh, uh, in your opinion,, um, are kids weird? Like is it a weird thing? to to do
0: yeah no kids are weird right it's like the only thing and 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 expensive and 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 a real pain in the ass and so it's like the only thing that could possibly overcome all of those hurdles to making people want to um you know have them is a darwinian imperative
2: (laughs) yeah that's like
0: That's like the only thing that, that promotes, um, that promotes, uh, the continued having children because yeah, it's like expensive and, and, and I mean, let's just be honest for a really long, like my, so mine are teenagers now or like emerging into the, and, and they're so much more interesting, but like Uh, for a really long time, they were really boring. (laughs) So like to finally get them at an age where we can like talk about interesting things and they can be funny. Yeah, um, they're like worth hanging out with. Like, I actually enjoy <laughs> hanging out with them. Um, that wasn't always the case. <laughs> that,
1: that's, I, I I see this very like cinematic, beautiful moment between you and your your children. <laughs> like, you know, now that you're 15, I can kind of enjoy
2: hanging out with. Yeah, you. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like
0: doing all that crap with the itsy bitsy spider and you know, and play doh like. <laughs>
1: See, I kind of like that stuff. Actually, I used to always tell people, oh, I like kids, and I'm really good with kids, and now I think, hmm, I need to be more specific than that. <laughs> I, I like right. some kids. I was right. always the babysitter growing up, and I liked doing that, Um, all my little cousins and stuff, but uh, I like my friends' kids and stuff like that, but, but usually like 15 minutes, I'm like,
0: all right. Yeah, like um, I'm good. Okay. Um, yeah, I, kids
1: are cause, weird. Because I was thinking about the uh, uh, last little thing, and I swear we'll get into your book. Uh, I was thinking about how uh people putting things on Instagram and every, especially with the pandemic uh, going on right now. Every time someone has like a big announcement, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> right. but, but but there's this there's this social pressure to like celebrate and hooray, and and then I was thinking about how how parents are always like boy i never i never knew how selfless i could be until i had a kid and it's like it's you it's a little you it's your genetic right, yeah. <laughs> like, like if you're adopting sure you you got me there but if right. it was <laughs> like if i had a if like if i cloned myself and i like had a baby and someone came up to me in a park like who's the mother i was like oh it's me that's just a clone of me people be like what is wrong with you like well i never i never never realized how selfless i could possibly be until i started raising myself that i also named shane yeah (laughs)
0: the depth of my ability to care for another human right but you know it's really funny because it'd be really interesting to see like um narcissism and parenthood right so like are narcissists actually like even more into their kids even more selfless than non-narcissists that would be
1: really interesting to find
0: Mm -hmm. out surely they are right
1: wow yeah yeah oh man i just had a narcissism episode oh let's get into it uh yeah that's uh, that that would be a wonderful study to see um all right well i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to connect you with my narcissism researcher that i just had on recently (laughs) so let's uh let's talk about your your book what's it all about um uh, this is uh, i mean we I don't. When was when did I first have you on here for? It was least, uh, like three, three years, years ago. ago. Yeah, that yeah. seems about right. Um, so let's just assume, because I don't even remember the conversation. I'm sure we generally talked about some of this stuff. Um, but uh, but why don't you just give everyone an overview of your of your work and also listeners sure. go back and listen to the first one as well. As my memory serves me, it was it was good
0: it was fabulous it was like i think it was the best episode that you've had to date. <laughs>
2: um
0: no so the the book is about um this is your brain on birth control so it's um as you might expect it's about the way that the birth control pill influences um women's uh sort of their brains and then you know their behavior and so sort of then their experiences of the world and um You know, the book just sort of starts out with an overview of the way that women's sex hormones influence women's brains, um, and then what the birth control pill does to women's sex hormones, and then what the research shows about the way that that um, sort of influences the way that women experience the world. Um, And I wrote the book uh, because um, I think that we have a blind spot um, when it comes to hormonal contraceptives. Um, Like, I... Uh, and it was a, it was a blind spot that I noticed myself when, um, I, so I had spent my career, um, studying motivation and, um, and behavior and especially in women. And I'd even published some papers on the way that women's sex hormones, um, as they change across the cycle, change women's, you know, motivation and and the way that they behave And so I was doing all of this work, and so I was like, I've I've always understood the role of hormones in brains and and behavior, Um, but I was on hormonal contraceptives the entire time I was doing this work, and never thought about the way that they influenced anything that was going on, like, from the waist down, you know, I just was like, oh, well, it's, you know, I'm not getting pregnant, and so that's amazing, but I, I never connected the dots, which is, like, really embarrassing. Um, I I when, eat
1: a lot of candy while like reading about like obesity rates and right. like mismatches <laughs> of our uh, of our uh, uh, fondness of sugar in our modern environment. so right. you're I like think stupid fuckers, the stupid fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, no, it's um. So I I really I never connected the dots until I actually I went off of hormonal contraceptives. Um, altogether after I was on them for over 10 years um I just going off them off and on to have my kids and um and it felt I felt really different I just like I felt like I woke up um and uh, and so I became really interested in you know okay like was this just me who feels really different when I'm off of the pill um or does the research support that this is something that happens sort of a, a lot of times in women and um you know, And, of course, when I went to the literature and started reviewing this stuff, of, of course, the research shows that hormonal contraceptives influence the brain and influence behavior because that's what hormones do, and, um, yeah. and there's, like, no way for them not to. It's like magical thinking to think that you can take a hormone and have it affect one part of your body and not the other. You know, and uh, anyway, so um, I wrote the book to like, sort of educate uh, uh, women mostly but also men just like, hey, um, here's how hormones work, um, and here's what we know about sex hormones in the brain, especially with women. Um, and, and here's uh, how you
1: can manipulate that to get laid more. Is that what yeah. you were going
0: for with
2: that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so. You know, it's like trying to, um, yeah, just like put all the pieces of all of that together for people so that way um, the information will be out there. Because, you know, doctors don't um, talk about this stuff to their patients. They, they just talk about risk of stroke and heart problems or whatever, but they don't talk about the psychological effects.
1: That is strange. Uh, I, I, to this day, you you think that most doctors still don't do that? That is the troubling thing that, that uh, the kind of... Um, assumption is like, is that like, oh, I take this pill and what it does is it makes it so that I don't get pregnant. And then you just think about like that one very specific, which is awesome. Like if that's all that it did, that's what we're aiming for. Um, but, but all of the other, uh, all of the other implications, um,
0: yeah, it, it, it is still true. So, I mean, so now, you know, there are many doctor's offices that will talk about, the possibility of, um, you know, what they call a mood-related side effects. Hmm. So that it, that it might, um, you know, in some women cause problems with mood. And they also will sometimes discuss with their patients that it could be associated with changes in uh, libido and sexual functioning. Um, but that's about as far as it ever goes, you know. And, and, and that's not even all doctor's offices. Um,
1: do, do, you, do you think a little bit of that is also that just like talking about like the idea of obviously there's plenty of female doctors but the idea of a male doctor like mansplaining women's like moodiness on on do you, do you think that there's like a little bit of just like general uncomfortability with that too of not wanting to like perpetuate the Hey, just so you know, this might make you a little.
0: Like. Yeah, it might make you a little. Coo- yeah, <laughs> no, I think that there's probably an element of that, but I, I really think that the biggest issue, and I don't think that this is unique to birth control, and I don't think that it's, um, you know, and I don't think that it's like the fault of individual doctors, but I think there's this like artificial disconnect um, that still exists in medicine where um, they still believe in the like mind-body Cartesian split. Where when you go into the doctor's office, they'll talk about all the ways that a medication is going to influence everything outside of your brain, right? Because as far as they're concerned, that research belongs in a different, and and it does. It actually, that research gets published in totally different journals that aren't read by physicians, right? So physicians are reading about how does this medication influence the heart valve or, you know, the risk of stroke or um, LDL cholesterol levels, but they don't read about how does this influence the brain? How does this influence the way that people experience the world? And like it's coming out now that more, you know, like not only with the hormonal medications where obviously you're going to get big experiential um, differences, you know, just in changes in the brain. Um, but even now it's coming out like things like um, uh, uh, antihistamines can have psychological side effects. Really? And um, yeah, well, it's, mm. you know, our brain is like an organ in the body. And, um, and so when you make changes to different systems, um, because a lot of those systems are systems that communicate with the brain, it's going to change the way that we feel and it's going to change the way we experience the world. And it might even exchange, you know, it it can, um, like influence like what we do. And so, um, I I think that we need like science, uh, like, like neuroscience and, and you know, and and even you know, just like psychology broadly and medicine need to communicate. I mean, it's like it's like science. You know, uh, neuroscience and psychology is over here, and 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 you know, medicine is over here, and and so the doctors have no idea the the way. Like even things like um, inflammation influence the brain and how people feel. And so, like if somebody is sick, they're probably going to have a whole bunch of psychological side effects that go along with that, and doctors don't really they're not educated on any of that. And so they don't talk to their patients about it.
1: I, I think that there, I mean, there might even be like a little bit of an evolutionary bias of uh, uh, like the human the human brain is quite fond of itself. Like e- yes. even you calling it an uh, organ, my brain's like, well, not just some other organ, <laughs> the, the very best of the organs, of course. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, everything from as, as someone who's been exercising regularly lately, one of the benefits of being off the road for the first time in 15 years, um, man, that it really, uh, it is a dramatic change for my mental health and, and Good. everything else. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, all of that is, um, you know, as your bodily states change, it totally changes your mental landscape. And, um, and so the idea that um, medicine, as it's mostly practiced, is like totally devoid of, of even thinking about the conversations between the brain and the rest of the body is, um, yeah, sort of limited. And so a lot of the conversations about the way that um, drugs that we might take might make us feel, um, you know, they're not being had at the doctor's office.
1: All right. Well, f- before we get into the rest, I just don't want to, I don't want to end up, I know before we really get into the meat of it, I might get lost and I only have you for so long. And I don't want to forget to ask you about, or I, I want to talk just a little bit about my testicles if we could. Uh, okay. One, <laughs> um, what's going on with male birth control these days? Mm. And two, I had this thought so I've always wanted to get a vasectomy. One of the things that I'm most embarrassed about myself is, like, I, I think of myself as having, like, a high pain threshold and not being scared of things. And there's just something about this incredibly simple procedure that, like, really messes with my head. <laughs> For, like, 10 years now, I've been meaning to get a vasectomy. Um, and I always thought, well... What if I change my mind eventually and do I maybe I store my sperm in a sperm bank i i'm i i've I'm told that that can be like iffy um it, I don't know if, yeah if, I don't know if, about if, that. If, if if uh if it's like bad for sperm over time if it degrades or whatever I have no idea and then maybe. I was also wondering if you get a vasectomy and then you get it reverse do things go back to normal? And if so, couldn't you get one and then get it reversed when you need to, like every four years or whatever, and then get things right. going again and then That's get really a vasectomy again?
0: Yeah, I think that like doing too many vasectomies, cause like, so the way that that usually, <laughs> right, cause you're, you're severing the vas deferens tube, right? Which is like the little tube that connects the sperm to everything else that mixes up with the ejaculate and, and gives you the whole package. And so like you sever this tube and so then your body is still producing sperm but they're just like floating off into outer space because they're not actually making it down into the ejaculate, right? Right. And so like when they're reassembling it, like I think they have to like, like almost like I'm thinking about it like a welder, like cauterize, like cauterize the little tube and put it in, I don't know, like, and so I don't know if they're always 100%. And trying to put it back together, you know, because I would imagine if you're like taking something apart and then like trying to solder it together again, and it's like the fourth and-
1: time you go in, they're gonna look at you a little weird. T- like, is yeah. this guy addicted to vasectomies? What yeah. is
0: going? <laughs> it's on? like oh, just I'm shut up this. and do your job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, because I, because I, and, and we'll we'll get into the pros and cons of female birth control. But I, my my limited knowledge already is that. I, if I could instead have it be me, that would, that seems like it would be the, uh, the the better way to go. Um, right. And, right. But, but is there, has there been uh, actual male birth control pills?
0: Well, so they, they tried to, um, they had some, uh, they were up for clinical trial, where they have created something and it works sort of similarly to um, the way that uh, female birth control works, except in this case. It keeps sperm count so low that um, men can't, you know, inseminate their partner. Um, But uh, so the men, they had, gosh, I don't even know how long they had them doing it, but they had them on a a clinical trial. supposed to be something like a six month clinical trial. It, It shut down in like two weeks because the men were complaining about the side effects. Um, being so intolerable, <laughs> and um, and the side effects are very similar to the types of side effects that women get really? on their hormonal birth control. Yeah, yeah, and but I mean, you know, honestly, um, like, I love the idea of a male contraceptive, like, a male hormonal contraceptive. Like, I, I love it because, obviously, you know, women were the ones who were, tend to be or historically, we've been the ones bearing the cost of, um, of contraception and um, it'd be nice to have some male participation in that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's just like shifting the problem of, you know, changing somebody's like a, a, a person's entire hormonal profile um, from just shifting the problem from women to men. And, um, and with, with men, like I, I think that it's sort of problematic because um, it, it works in the context of a long term relationship. Right in a long term relationship, and my partner tells me I'm on the male birth control pill, like I know that I can trust that, right? (laughs) You know, Uh, but like if I'm out and meet some dude, right, and we're gonna, and he's like, I'm on the male birth control pill, it's gonna be like, yeah, I don't care. I need to, like, we're we're gonna need reinforcements because for women, I mean, it's like we're the ones who bear the cost of an undesired pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, I, I just don't know that women will ever feel comfortable relinquishing the, the certainty of contraception to uh, uh, their partners. I mean, and even with a long-term partner, it's like, you know, most
1: <laughs> guys are women... most conscientious. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of the and again,
0: and they, we would expect that they wouldn't be as motivated to remember to take it at the right time every day and everything the way that well, women are because cause they're not bearing the cost. I mean, because it's like the cost to them is like, well, you know, accidentally got my partner pregnant. Um, oops. But that's like less than, um, of course, if you're the female on the business end of that unwanted mm. pregnancy. So I don't know that we're ever going to be able to um, find, you know, a, a sort of hormonal contraception for men that would be something that was readily um adopted and 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 let me just add that that what they're coming up with for this is ridiculous like um the the most recent one that they were testing was this gel and it lowers men's test lowers men's testosterone to such a degree that they're no longer producing enough sperm to inseminate somebody like can you imagine like what man is going to take that like do you know any men who would voluntarily like Give me the thing that lowers my T so much.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you
0: know? Like no. Um we can't even like there's a testosterone clinic on like, There's some every guys quarter. I would prescribe
1: it to, but I would yeah, take exactly. it myself. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: And and and, and, and those guys usually the testosterone is their favorite thing about themselves. So it's Right. A
0: no, and position. so yeah, so Shane's like, Let me give you a background <laughs> with a <this> special gel. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: I, special gel. I I uh, I wonder if they're going to make headway on the condom department. It would be nice to have better feeling condoms uh, eventually. That would solve a lot of issues. But
0: Uh, yes, I
1: don't know how that's possible. They keep on. They're like ribs, more ribs, less ribs. We don't (laughs) don't know. Uh, we know. We don't know. Um. So. Uh, before we get into your minor birth control, I, I think that uh, it, it, you probably have the caveat of obviously, uh, both of us are very much into people having kids when they want kids and yes. <laughs> limiting having unwanted children. We're both yes. very much for that, and uh, especially in the. I know in the intro of your book, you, you mentioned the you, you know, you're a very accomplished uh, woman and, and uh, perhaps uh, that would have been much more difficult without the birth control pill.
0: Yeah, yeah, no the whole idea behind the book isn't that birth control is bad and that women shouldn't take it or that that you know um and that is always bad for women in all contexts because I don't believe that to be true at all. Um instead it's just about providing women with all of the information about the trade-offs that they're making when they're on it. So that way they're able to make the most informed choices possible about their health and wellness. And so um, it's just really about like, hey, here's the information that you didn't get at the doctor's office about the way that the birth control pill can influence um, the way that you experience the world. Um, and then you can use that information to make the choice about whether or not it's the right trade off to make. Because I mean, in knowing everything that I know now, um, you know, especially like early on in my college career, Um, like, knowing all that I know and the trade-offs I was making, I would still go on it um, because it's not dangerous. And, um, you know, and it really is um, a game changer in terms of um, allowing women to be able to achieve their educational goals and, you know, financial um, independence and all these other things um, because they can be certain you know, all but absolutely certain that they're not going to get pregnant from sex. And um, and that's really a game changer in terms of um, allowing women to feel confident that, you know, I can start a PhD program because so I'm going to be able to finish it without getting accidentally pregnant and getting benched, you know, for whatever, and not ever finishing, or I can get my college degree because if I start it, I'll be able to finish it because I'm not going to accidentally end up pregnant. And just the way that, like, taking that, taking pregnancy out of the picture changes the motivational landscape for women. I mean, in terms of long-term goals. And so Mm. um, it is really something that is really important to women. And I'd still make that choice knowing everything I know now, but I still think that it's really important that women understand um, what the trade-offs are so that way they can actually make choices for themselves instead of just taking something, wondering why they're feeling weird and not having an explanation for it. Mm. And that's what we've kind of been stuck with up until now.
1: And um, as as a species that some people would argue is potentially driving themselves toward the sixth great mass extinction, um, (laughs) it's it's uh, it's something to consider. It it, and it seems like as um, uh, at least from the the research that I've seen as. as as societies tend to progress, people usually do opt to delay uh, having children and and um, and going to continued ed- education and, and focusing on their careers more for longer before having their uh, their first children. So not only is it slowing the population increase, but also potentially increasing the quality of um, the ability to, for parents to provide resources and educate their own children and so on and so forth. All sorts of uh, potentially uh, amazing benefits to birth control. Uh, and, and we're and we're both very pro-vasectomy then, right? Like if yes. some guy wants to, okay. It, it, I mean, there's no real doubt. Da- I mean, I think once in a while something goes wrong with the surgery, but out, outside of that, it's right. just... I guess the right. issue is just if someone changes their mind or whatever. In which right, case they yeah. Can, and so I'm guessing,
0: adopt. yeah, exactly. And I'm guessing that like the best sort of solution in that case would be to bank some up if you would, mm-hmm. and, and then yeah, you can always try to get it reversed because I think it can work. But I just, I've, you know, and, and I just don't know like what the, like how successful it is all the time. Because that's my
1: ideal world is you just have when guys become sexually mature. I, I know that this isn't going to happen. And it's like it's going to seem like some big brother, like weird dystopian thing that we could write some science fiction book about. But but the the idea of of males storing their sperm getting a vasectomy and then waiting until they actually find the person that they want to have a child with and then using their steroid sperm for that seems like just the that is, perfect solution <laughs> to that, many of the world's problems.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually like a pretty, that's a pretty smart plan. And yeah, it does seem like a weird scene from a dystopian future <laughs> film. Um, but nonetheless, it makes sense, right?
1: All right. So I got you about uh, for about 30 minutes. I already know from, uh, from your work, from talking about you and, uh, and others about the topic in the past, that this is a meaty, uh, super interesting subject. Uh, but I, I think that maybe, maybe the most pragmatic way to m- make sure that we're getting the most important information out there uh, for people What would you like to see doctors explain to women?
0: Um, So I think that really the most important thing that doctors need to be having a conversation with with women is just the role that hormones play in coordinating so many different activities in the brain. Um, Because I I don't think that um, most people have really any awareness about what hormones actually are and like what they do. And, um, you know, and and sex hormones in particular, I mean, they're part of the signaling machinery that your brain uses to create the experience of being the person that you are. And, um, you know, and so you can't expect that if you take a medication that changes your hormone levels, that it's not going to have a fundamental impact on the way that your brain is doing business. And this means that it can influence, you know, all sorts of different aspects of, you know, yourself and and who you think of as yourself. And so it can influence processes related to hunger and satiety, right? Like, so like how hungry you feel or um, how anxious and relaxed you feel, who you're attracted to, um, what your levels of sexual desire are the way that your body regulates mood, you know, the way that your body regulates your sleep schedule. I mean, the hormones touch on all of these different processes and so I think that just as part of the conversation for going on hormonal contraceptives, you know, I think the first thing that I'd like to see doctors actually explain to patients is like, you know, this is going to influence the activities of your ovaries and prevent pregnancy that way. Um, but in so doing, that's also going to be changing um, the way that your brain does business and, um, and the way that you, you know, sort of think, feel, and experience the world. Um, and then, you know, sort of maybe if going a step further, actually alerting them to the literature, you know, that sort of demonstrates the different ways that um, hormonal birth control can influence these processes. But I, I think that even just like waking people up to the idea that you can't have a localized effect of a hormone. Um, on a person's, you know, body um, would be a really nice start. Hmm.
1: Do you, is there anything that for any of these things that, that can, um, that, that can help some of these side of, uh, uh, like, say, say a doctor's like, hey, this could impact your sleep. One, one thing that you could do to offset that is, take melatonin at night are there there things like that um that that you know of that can help with any of these issues
0: right i mean in some of them i think that even just awareness of them can really go a long way i mean i don't know about you but there are some things where you know just knowing what's going on with me when i'm feeling something can help me get out of it and just to Mm -hmm. give an example of this which is like the most unflattering female example ever but um you know, when I'm at certain phases of my cycle, I am very angry <laughs> and moody and, um, and I know it. Um, and just knowing what's going on and recognizing that, no, your life is not terrible. This is just the way that you perceive the world on these like two to three days um, is, is a total game changer for me. Um, because I recognize it as this is this fleeting thing, don't make any important decisions, just try to muscle through. And um, and that's what I'm able to do. Um, and, and I think that that can be really important, especially when it comes to some of the things that, um, you know, when it comes to the way that hormonal contraceptives can influence mental health, um, because there is a, a, you know, pretty substantial body of evidence now linking the use of hormonal contraceptives um, to um, an increased risk for things like depression and anxiety and um, I think that uh, if you know you tell your patients that hey, this is um, associated with an increased risk of um, anxiety and depression, um, keep, you know, make note of that, um, that this can at least allow women to have something to reflect on. And if they're not feeling right, they can go and see their doctor about getting something else. Or in this case with the mental health issues, there is, you know, there are some other things that, um, that, uh, a physician could recommend that could support mental health. Like, um, you know, so what we know from, uh, the research literature is that, um, Uh, the mental health-related issues, so this increased risk of depression and and anxiety that we see in um, women on hormonal contraceptives, it seems to be driven in large part by a lack of um, GABAergic activity in the brain. Um, That's a result of some differences in metabolic processes associated with breaking down normal hormones, so women's natural levels of progesterone, um, mm-hmm. Versus the synthetics, and um, and you can actually support GABAergic um, activity in your brain. And GABA is a, a calming um, neurotransmitter, so it actually slows down the brain, and it makes us feel like we're able to deal with our world, and makes things feel more relaxed. And um, you can support uh, GABAergic activity by doing things like um, you know yoga, meditation, um, mm-hmm. different types of relaxation techniques. And so that would be a really nice case where a doctor could actually make recommendations to women um, who are on hormonal contraceptives um, to, you know, to sort of incorporate some of those activities in their um, in their lives to help promote um, to promote activity. So I suppose does, that there's some things like that. Doesn't
1: yeah. alcohol uh, act in the aborceptors too? It there sure does. You know, it have, sure have, does. Yeah, maybe it's have funny. some wine.
0: Have some wine. Have a have a Xanax. Yeah, no. So benzodiazepines and alcohol work on GABA receptors too, right? And that's, yeah. um, and which is you know one thing I'm really interested in, and we're actually looking at this in my lab right now. Is given that hormonal contraceptives um, decrease GABAergic activity in the brain, it would make really good sense that um, we might expect to see that women who are on the pill um, might be more likely to self-medicate um, for anxiety using alcohol. Um, because wow. yeah, yeah,
1: that, that is very important to know. If yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so that's something that we're, um, we're looking at right now because it would, it would really make good sense, you know, that that would be, um, an important risk factor for that. So mm. we will see.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I have my, um, my assistant or whatever she she, my i don't know we don't have a title for her i think think assistant's weird i think of more of her as a partner but uh but she um we were just talking the other day and she was like uh, she she was talking about her her cycle and um and and when and she's like yeah i have these these two days i know when they're going to happen and i tell my boyfriend, Steve, to just stay away from me during those two days. I'm like, why don't you ever tell me that, like, we're,
2: we're working
1: together. Like, you pick your hours. You could just be like, I'm taking those two days off. That could, like, I, I wouldn't care. That'd be a that'd be a good uh i'm going to go on a bender for for two i'm going to get a couple of bottles of wine go on a bender for a couple days like oh cool thanks for the heads up that's the other thing too is that like we talked i mean i mentioned early on with the potential of of maybe male doctors this being like an uncomfortable conversation for them to have i i was i was shocked that she hadn't told me this earlier because i'm like well, i'm not I'm not a traditional boss we have all sorts of like uh, conversations about awful and appropriate things um so so i was like why are you but but i'm sure i'm sure that most people with traditional jobs that this is still a thing that that females don't feel that they can express in in the in the typical workplace if if someone, if a female that works for me felt uncomfortable talking about her cycle, then it must be times 20 in a, in a regular job.
0: Uh, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it'd be really, in- it would be really interesting, like to see what that would look like, right? So would that, because um, I-, I would assume that it would, it would I- improve productivity, Right yeah. if it's like look I'm going to I'm going to work extra on these other days and take these two days to just hate my life and um, yep. hide in a closet and not, you know, call people terrible Good. names. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I, think that there could be some real benefits. Post the whole
1: workplace out. <laughs> well, seriously. The atmosphere. Uh,
0: seriously, like <laughs> better morale. Like I think there's so much to gain from that. I think it's smart. Uh,
1: uh, Sarah uh, Sarah Hills advocating bringing back the menstruation tents. Everybody. Yeah, the menstrual hut. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You heard it so, here yeah, first it not me
1: Bring uh, out the <laughs> menstrual i love it i love it <laughs> um i i i uh so which which of the impacts would you say are people the most surprised by because if i had to guess i would say it's probably the mate choice stuff, but what when when you're talking with just your average Joe or Jane schmo at a at a whatever get together, um, what aspect of, of your work are people like blown away by?
0: Yeah, so it's it's there's two. The one is the mate choice, like you talked about, um, mm. and then the other is. Um, the way that uh, the pill influences the stress response. Um, And so those two things generally really surprise people. Um, Well, let's talk
1: about the stress response then, because I want to drive my listeners (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Like, why... Come on, give us the give us the best one.
0: Yeah, no, the, yeah, the mate choice. Yeah, exactly. No, that one's wild, and um, it's it's so provocative. The um, the stress. I'll I'll keep it really short and um, and just say that um, normally when most of us are feeling stressed out. So if you're giving a speech, or you know you um, are falling in love with somebody, or it's Christmas morning, or you're stuck in traffic, um, anything stressful, whether it's a positive or a negative stressor, um, generally what happens is. Um, one of the things that the body does is releases the stress hormone cortisol. And, uh, and everybody knows about cortisol. It's the stress hormone. Um, and it tends to get a bad rap just because it's associated with stress. Um, but, stre- you know, cortisol doesn't cause stress. Um, you know, life causes stress. Um, and cortisol is part of how our body copes with stress. Um, it, yeah. And so it does things like allows us to – it dumps fat and sugar into our bloodstream so that way we can make a fast getaway – it um, it increases uh, our like births new brain cells in the hippocampus, which is where our brain stores information, and so it improves our memories. That way, we can remember the st- stressful event and does all kinds. Don't of do things. this again. Yeah, exactly. Like don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Like remember that time that you did this. <laughs> that a bunch of really bad things happened. Don't do that again. Um, and so, uh, so cortisol is a good thing in the context of stress and. Um, but uh, women who are on birth control don't release it. Um, so they've done studies now since the 1990s showing that when um, you stress people out, um, everybody who's a healthy, functioning adult releases cortisol um, except for women on hormonal contraceptives. Um, and they have a blunted or completely absent cortisol response. Um, and, their cortisol, and, and this is um, something that's kind of alarming uh, because this is the type of pattern that we tend to see in people with PTSD or people who've lived through some ter- sort of terrible trauma where the body actually shuts down the stress response um, because it's trying to protect itself from exposure to way too much cortisol. Mm. And, um, and, and so this is something that um, a person should not be expecting from their birth control pills. Um, given that it's, you know, influencing your, your sex hormones, like the idea that this is also influencing stress hormones in a lot of ways is, um, is sort of illustrates uh, just how wide ranging the effects of these hormonal changes are like throughout the body. Um, but it's also really important because cortisol plays a really important role, not only in terms of um, our memory in the context of stress, which, um, there's been research indicating that women who are on the pill have worse memory for emotional events, um, due to their lack of cortisol, um, uh, in response to stressful situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's like cortisol is how our, uh, is, it helps to regulate our immune system, it um influences things like our risk for diabetes and our risk for um, heart disease and other things and so not having normal cortisol patterns is is weird and and alarming and so that's a that's the the stress hormone piece of that um that
1: is intra what about um cuz you mentioned earlier that there's there's sometimes depression that can come along mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's part of the, it, because if it's, if it's lowering cortisol, isn't it sort of just generally numbing? It, like, aren't you losing a little bit of the richness of life if you're, if you're say, not uh, as hormonally engaged in a normally arousing um, uh, situation, and, and perhaps that's impacting aspects of depression?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no question in my mind that um, not having like these dynamic changes in cortisol activity um, can be part of what leads to the depression symptomology that we see in the pill takers because, you know, one of the things that, you know, one way if you like sort of are thinking about cortisol conceptually, like what it does is it helps us, it helps our bodies and our brains absorb our important experiences right and so like like you're absorbing you know in in terms of your brain and everything else like moments that are meaningful like whether that meaningful moment is like your wedding day you know big cortisol surge or your life's in danger big cortisol surge um but having these dynamic changes in cortisol is is you know it's associated with like important events right and the idea of not having these dynamic bursts of cortisol activity in some ways I think could almost be this, it's it's almost like getting a biological signal that nothing important is happening in your environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Like you just live in a totally neutral environment where good things or bad things don't happen. It's just like you're flatlined. And, um, yeah. And I have no doubt in my mind that, um, that this flattened or blunted or absent cortisol, um, signaling that we get in uh in the pill takers um that that also in addition to the changes in gabergic activity is also probably associated with some of the mental health problems that we see in women on hormonal contraceptives
1: huh would Would that tend to lower um sex drive as well then potentially because hmm. it would be interesting to take to take this pill so that you can have more sex freely and then right yeah <laughs>
0: yeah so so it does decrease like so yeah and and that is um also one of the the uh, side effects with um with the pill is um that it does in a lot of women it it de- decreases um sexual motivation and in in some women even sexual functioning, so not only do they not really want sex, but when they're having sex, their body isn't responding in the normal ways that women 's bodies respond to sexual activity. And, well, I'm um, off the hook for a lot of fail. Of fail. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, that was not me.
2: <laughs> yeah. That
0: was not me. That was a pill. That was a pill. Yeah, no, um, but that's usually, you know, the, the reasons for that, the reason they get those patterns of results is because of um, what happens with uh, testosterone. So one thing that we know about birth control pills is that they increase the release of what's known as sex hormone binding globulins. And those like bind up your testosterone and make it unusable to your body. Mm. And pill takers have like much higher levels of, they're called, uh um, SHBGs, so sex hormone binding globulins, they have much higher levels of these and they have much less usable tea. And so that's one of the big reasons that you get reduced sexual functioning in women. And the other one is just that when you're suppressing um, ovulation and you're suppressing um, sort of ovarian, you know, uh, maturation of, um, of egg follicles, um, you're suppressing estrogen, and that's the other thing that really fuels female sexual response and so when you keep both um, estrogen and um, testosterone really low, that's sort of like a recipe for lack of sexual desire. and so you know one mm. mechanism by which uh, hormonal contraceptives um, work right in addition to suppressing <laughs> ovulation is also yeah suppressing of uh, sexual behavior
1: huh. All the more reason to get a vasectomy if you're all uh, the more this, reason this. um well it, wait, what about this so you're you're so i uh, i know your husband has a vasectomy from your book yeah um, <laughs> I, I but uh what what about if you if you just want to lower your, str- you're you're going to visit family. You're having you're having to <laughs> to travel. Well, while traveling, you got to give an important speech via Zoom in the car with your and your kids are there who you're now falling in love with for the first time because they're now teenagers. And this is this and and you're anticipating this incredibly stressful situation could you take birth control as like uh to suppress your your cortisol levels
0: well, yeah, except I don't think that that's actually going to make you feel any better. It's just going to make you feel no. worse because, yeah, you're not going to be able to, like, cope with stress. And so you're I going see. to get the double whammy of being stressed out and then not being able to do anything. Like, your body isn't going to be able to respond in a meaningful way to it. So
1: Because my, my more serious <laughs> related thought was uh, there there are arguments um, made that that we, that that. Uh, the modern human is potentially unnecessarily chronically stressed due to, um, you know, mismatches and the threats in our environment and something like traffic not being the actual threat that uh, uh, that are our, uh, our, our bodies inappropriately overly responding to something that in reality isn't an actual uh, threat. So. So, so there wouldn't be an argument to be made that 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 this or something like it in the future could be some something to offset that mismatch in in our in our modern world.
0: So, so that's like that's interesting, right? So, if you were to take a um, corticosteroid binding globulin, right, or something that acts like that, so basically makes your cortisol unusable by the body. Like, would that be sort of therapeutic to use uh, in like these stressor, like these stressful situations that really shouldn't be stressful, like traffic, right? Where it's like we're not being helped by any way having our stress response going off in traffic every day. And all that it does is um, mess things up. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you were to actually get something that was really short lived, right? It could potentially be it could potentially be beneficial.
1: Amazing. Well, I just discovered a new thing and uh, <laughs> getting to work on it. Exactly. Uh, one, of, one of my many uh, scientific breakthroughs. Right, exactly. Um, I, I, uh, well, that will be interesting if we, like Viagra came out of searching for a heart medication. Maybe, maybe we'll figure out some 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 protective uh uh, um cardiovascular thing or stress reductive thing through uh trying to um uh better birth control
0: right exactly Uh,
1: well we better we better make sure and get into the mate selection stuff i know uh, this is we've we've talked about it some on the show before it's been a while and uh and it, it even if we've t- talked about these similar subjects. One, I guarantee there'll be a few new things that people have learned, even if you listen to every episode four times over and take notes and remember everything. And two, it's always fun to hear uh, it, hear things phrased in a, in a new way. So why don't you break those, um, some of those impacts down for us, some of those effects.
0: Sure. So the, this um, research is actually based on um, some research that's been going on now for about 20 years um, that has demonstrated the effects of um, women's cyclic or cyclically changing sex hormones on their preferences for men. And um, what this research shows is that when the sex hormone estrogen um, is dominant, um, which is generally what happens with naturally cycling women, so women who are not on the pill. Um, you know, right prior to ovulation and then, um, you know, at ovulation. So early on in the cycle, women's levels of estrogen are relatively high. And because this is a period of time that's associated with the ability to conceive, um, researchers have proposed that estrogen levels should predict not only women's interest in um, sex, sort of generally, and their desire for sex, um, but should also influence the types of qualities that they emphasize in their choice of partners. Um, and in particular, um, this research predicts that um, when estrogen levels are high, that it should increase women's preference for men who have cues associated with, um, the, with uh, testosterone. And the reason for this is that testosterone is sort of a hypothesized uh, good genes marker. Um, so it's something that um, is associated because it is an immunosuppressive and it's metabolically costly. Um, the idea is that only men who have sort of low mutation loads um, and who have relatively um, robust immune systems um, will be able to produce um, relatively high levels of testosterone. And so it's believed to be an indicator of things like health and developmental stability and other things that in the evolutionary world we just like call having good genes. And mm-hmm. so, um, and there's been a lot of research supporting this general idea that at high fertility or during times in the menstrual cycle, when estrogen is high, so right near ovulation, um, and you know five or so days prior, so usually like days seven to twelve in the cycle, um, women express um, and exhibit a greater preference for facial masculinity, um, the scent of men who are have higher levels of testosterone, um, you know faces and voices, and um, and even the gait of men who have higher levels of testosterone. Um, and so, so this research has been going on for, for quite some time now. Um I mean, it's, it's, it's received a pretty fair amount of evidence. Um, more recently, researchers then asked themselves, you know, well, given that uh, women um, have this greater preference for testosterone markers when estrogen is the dominant sex hormone, um, what happens when you have women on hormonal contraceptives when their estrogen levels are kept really low? Um, because you're suppressing um, egg maturation, which then in turn suppresses estrogen levels. Um, And so what the prediction was is that if we look at the mate preferences of women who are naturally cycling and then compare them to the mate preferences of women who are on hormonal birth control, that we should expect to see that the natural cyclers have a preference for on average, more you know, sort of masculine male faces and males who possess more testosterone markers than what we should see among women who are on hormonal contraceptives. Um, and this um, hypothesis has been pretty well supported by the research and the research seems to indicate that not only do women who are on birth control um, desire uh, less masculine male faces, but they also seem to be choosing these men as their partners. Um, so for example, in one study, They um, collected a large sample of partnered men, right? So men who were in relationships, they took photographs of the men and then they had the men indicate whether or not they had um, been chosen by their partner um, when they were on or off of hormonal birth control. Um, And what they found was that when they divided up the, the men and placed the photographs of the men that were chosen by women when they were on hormonal birth control in one pile and then took the photographs of the men who were chosen by the naturally cycling women and put them in another pile um, and then had them all evaluated on things like masculinity um, and using both subjective measures, so people looking at the photographs and evaluating how masculine is this guy, um, but also using computer programs, computer algorithms that are able to detect certain types of things like facial width to height and some other things that are associated with um, testosterone presence. And what they find is that, um, is that uh, the, the men who were chosen as partners by the pill takers had less masculine faces than did the men who were chosen by the natural cyclers. And so all of this stuff seems to indicate that um, you know that uh, hormonal contraceptive use, Um, can influence um, the types of qualities that women are really prioritizing in their choice of partners with um, women who are naturally cycling, emphasizing cues associated with testosterone presence and sort of sexiness, um, and women who are on hormonal birth control focusing on other things. And what the research seems to show um, is that the types of qualities that women who are on hormonal birth control, the types of qualities that they're focusing on in their partner choice tends to be things like financial security, Um, and a person's sort of capacity for um, investment in children, right? And so you get these, like, very different sets of priorities um, among the pill takers and the natural cyclers. Um, And, of course, this is really provocative because people don't, like, choose their partner and then stay on – hormonal contraceptives forever or stay off of hormonal contraceptives forever. And so this, of course, raises the possibility that there could end up being mismatches that develop if a person chooses their partner when they were on the pill and then they go off of it, or if they choose their partner when they're off the pill and then go on it. Um, and there's some evidence that seems to suggest that this can cause some um, sort of shakeups within the context of, of romantic relationships. <laughs>
1: That is uh, that is so uh, uh, fantastic. I I love thinking about that. So so should the ladies potentially? Uh, 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 in an ideal world, you you would you would find a guy and and be both on and off the pill at, at certain intervals to be like, do I still like do this I still guy? like
0: this guy? Yeah, no. I mean, I think that you know, I think like if there's one bit of Sort of takeaway advice from all that research, it would be this and that is, um, for women who do not need to be on hormonal contraceptives, um, like if you're just on them because you were on you were in a relationship last month and you're not in one anymore, um, and you're just like on them because you're on them, um, and you're looking for a partner. I mean, my recommendation would be that um, you know take a break, take a break mm-hmm. from your pills for a little while. Um, If you don't need to be on it, don't be on it, Um, and especially if you're going to be looking for a partner, because you're going to spend more of your life probably not being on hormonal contraceptives than you are going to be spending on them, and so you may as well have, like, sort of the version of yourself that you are when you're not on the pill be the version that's choosing your partner, um, if possible, and of course, this isn't always possible for women, and, you know, the, the... Evidence is still like, it, it's probably not going to be influencing um, all women's relationships and in, you know, really dramatic ways. But it is, like I said, it is really provocative and it's something to keep in mind um, if you're a woman and you're trying to strategize your use of the birth control pill in ways that makes, you know, sense to use it when it makes sense to use it and then not to use it or take a break from it during times when, you know, it might just be better off to have your own hormones doing their thing.
1: Mm. I wonder if I'm an honor offer. What do you think? You should have that on <laughs> You should have that on, You should have like a thing on on a site or something like that 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 tells guys
0: I tells love guys. this. I love it. And I think I think Shane, I think you need to have like an Instagram poll and have a photograph of yourself and um, well, and ask people, do you think, be- am I your birth control boyfriend or am I your naturally cycling <laughs> boyfriend? I think that's perfect.
1: I, I, I mean, the the beard's definitely leaning toward uh, off birth control, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not so much. I mean, I'm not like balding. I clearly don't have that much testosterone. I I don't know. I think I. Yeah, uh, it's tough to say.
0: In science, we always say that's an empirical question <laughs>
2: <laughs> when
0: we don't know the answer. So I think that's an empirical question. I think we need to pop your face onto Instagram and, um, and take would... a poll and say, is Shane an on or off till guy? <laughs> We're going do to do
1: that when this episode comes yeah. out. That's such a fantastic idea. I, know, I think uh, it's
0: fantastic. And I think people think it's hilarious.
1: um all right well everybody please get sarah hill's book this is your brain on birth control it's fantastic you just heard how interesting all of this stuff is and you just heard the tiniest little sliver and it only gets more interesting when you when you get more of the details and the ins and outs and the many 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 things that we didn't even come close to barely touching on so make sure and get once again, this is your brain on birth control. Thank you very much, Sarah Hill. Lovely to see you again.
0: Yeah, so good to see you too, with your in your bearded glory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope that you have a wonderful holidays. All, all kidding aside, and nice uh, with, with with your with your newly liked children and. Uh, yes. Uh, and i hope to maybe see you next year under better situations
0: yeah yeah maybe person. well maybe the clubs will be open again and the, yeah. the world will be
1: <laughs> who knows saved, who knows um and i want to thank you listeners of course as usual for being such wonderful curious people uh, those of you that care about this kind of stuff i I have no idea why everybody doesn't, but uh, but those of you that do are the finest humans around in my opinion. I hope you got a lot out of this and we'll see you next week.